Hello, I'm Leanne Townsend, a family law lawyer and partner at Brody Thorning LLP. Welcome to Divorcing Well. Welcome to Divorcing Well. In this week's episode, we're talking about a very popular topic because it's uh, unfortunately more common than uh, I would like to see. And that's, that is the topic of co-parenting with a narcissist. And, you know, narcissism seems to, I don't know if it's on the rise or whether it's just something that we're um, recognizing and identifying more often these days, but definitely trying to co-parent with one of them can be very challenging. And so today I'm really excited to have on the podcast a guest who's become a friend of mine who is also extremely knowledgeable in this topic. And her name is Neelam Dow. And Neelam is a CPA, a CA, and an accredited family mediator with over 20 years of experience in finance, contract negotiation, and contract management. She's well-versed in the complexities of separation and divorce, from dealing with parenting plans to dealing with the financial aspects of divorce to navigating the stressful process of preparing for and attending court. Neelan is well-respected for her compassionate, calm approach and her eye for detail. She has an exceptional ability to provide clarity and direction in a supportive, comfortable, and neutral environment. Neelan's finance background enables her to mediate and assist you with resolving your divorce-related issues, divorce-related financial issues in a highly effective manner. And her ability to mediate all matters in a divorce allows you to resolve your issues efficiently and cost-effectively with one person. Having been through her own divorce, she understands the turmoil and stress that are brought on by divorce. She understands the complexities and emotions involved in creating parenting plans in dealing with the financial implications of divorce. Neelan is passionate about helping families resolve their disputes in a less stressful and less costly manner and finds it very rewarding to help her clients restore peace in their lives. So welcome to the podcast, Neelan. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Leanne. So now you've been one of the things I you know love about you is you know you not only have all these wonderful professional qualifications um, but you have been in the trenches you've been through your own divorce you've had lawyers you've represented yourself you've done mediation you know you've done it all so you bring uh, a wealth of um, knowledge and experience to you know to everything that you're doing and to this topic as well um, so why don't we start off by you know we hear the term narcissist thrown around a lot these days. Um, and so can you tell listeners a little bit about like, what is a narcissist and how common is this personality disorder? Well, I think if we go back to the sort of the textbook definition, it's basically somebody with a personality disorder and, and that disorder causes them to inflate their own sense of their, their importance. They need to have excessive attention and admiration um, they often have troubled relationships and they lack empathy for other people. Um, I think it's it's really common for us to go walk around talking about, you know, I think this person's a narcissist, this person's a narcissist. Really, it's up to the therapist or the counselor who's, you know, um, knowledgeable in that field to actually formally diagnose somebody as that. But there are certainly people walking around with traits of narcissism, even if they may not be diagnosed. Uh, I think technically, if you look at the stats, it's actually a very low percentage of people that are diagnosed with this. But I mean, the reality is that person would have to have gone to therapy 
to obtain that diagnosis to say, yes, you are in fact a narcissist or not. I'm sur- I know that we all have challenging people in our lives that we may feel are, you know, characterize those traits. And I, do you think there's levels of it? Like, you know, some people, you know, maybe have more of the traits than, you know, some people less. So there's like degrees of it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, you know, you can't paint everybody with the same brush. And, you know, certainly some people are much more difficult to deal with than others. Some people, maybe it's just a certain subject that makes them difficult to deal with. So, you know, it could range from very little to really a terrible um, experience dealing with that person. So what are some of the traits that are sort of typically known to be possessed by a narcissist so that if someone, you know, thinks their ex is a narcissist, what what would be some of the traits they'd be looking for? So a narcissist might be the person who takes over all of the conversations and they don't care what your opinion is or they may not be listening to your opinion. Um, They may feel that they are above rules. So maybe there's a restraining order in place they feel like they don't need to follow or you know, maybe it's something as simple as they borrow money, but they don't feel that they have to repay it because everything should be the way they want it to be. Um, you might find that they feel very entitled. You know, everything's about them and um, they're entitled to what it is that they want. They, they believe people should be catering to their needs as opposed to maybe them catering to somebody else's needs. And one thing I come across very, very often when someone feels they're dealing with a narcissist is that they feel that that person is very charming on the outside. So while they may, you know, that might be their partner and they see what they're really like on a day-to-day basis, when this narcissist type person is outside in the world, they're really charming everybody else. And so the person who's feeling the victim of the narcissist feels like nobody really gets how difficult this person is. Yeah, that can be very common. And, you know, and even when things get end up sometimes in court, you you can, you see the narcissist charming the judge even, and that can be really frustrating uh, for some people to to be in that situation. Absolutely. Um, Can a narcissist be a good parent? So this one's a tricky one. I mean, you know, I think we all love our kids. But when that narcissist is displaying those same traits with their children, sometimes what it ends up doing is, again, if the children aren't catering to what the narcissist wants and how they want them to behave, sometimes they can, you know, make the child feel not good enough, right? If you don't behave the way I want you to, you're not good enough and I'm causing negativity for you. I, I, as a narcissist, would be perhaps... um, causing your confidence level to decrease because nothing you do is good enough. And I don't think they always recognize that that's what they're doing because this is so ingrained in their personality that they're just acting the way they normally act. But what they don't realize is the negative impact it can have on these kids. And, you know, these kids really just want to be validated. But again, unless you do it the narcissist way and the way they feel is right, whatever you do is wrong. So that has a very, very bad impact on a child's self um, self-confidence. Yeah. And I, I, from what I've understood, um, you know, in the education I've gotten about narcissists, they often like their children for them are an extension of them. So they, you know, they want their children to look good and, you know, sort of have a lot of the superficial, um, you know, checks, check marks or whatever that, you know, society looks at because the, the narcissist views their children, you know, as a reflection on them. So they need to be, you know, as perfect as possible. Absolutely. And if, you know, if you don't do it my way, you're not good enough. And so this child is then constantly striving to 
obtain validation from that parent. It's still their parent. They want to be loved. They want the parent to like them and be proud of them. So yeah, absolutely. It can do, you know, some, some damage on the, on the child. So if you're the other parent, how can you protect your children from the effects of a parent who's a narcissist? I think one of the biggest things is you need to validate the child. You need to validate their feelings. Whatever they're feeling is right because they're their feelings, which they may not get that kind of validation from the narcissist. You really want to help your child work on their confidence, right? Because, you know, if the, the child is confident, grows up confident, you know, at some point they're going to see the other parent for what they are. And they're going to understand that it's not the child's fault that, you know, the parent just behaves in this certain way. But the more confidence this child has, the easier it's going to be with, for them to deal with it. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's just important to help them develop skills for resilience. So, you know, this is just the normal stuff you might do, just unconditional love to your child, providing empathy to that child, listening to them. If, you know, if they're having difficulty dealing with the parent, it's not about, um, alienating the other parent or talking badly about the other parent, but just hearing the child and, and again, being empathetic to what they're feeling and what that's doing to their um, feelings and their self-confidence. And just reinforcing that the child is good. You know, this isn't their fault. They're, they're a good person and reiterating, you know, I'm here for you. Yeah, that's so important. Um, you know, co-parenting with a narcissist uh, can be extremely challenging. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you've seen? Definitely, it can be very challenging, extremely stressful. Again, when you're dealing with somebody who feels that they're always right, that means that your way to them is wrong. So it means everything becomes a thing. So, you know, things I've seen is somebody just may not agree to the parenting plan, even though you might have a formalized, legally binding parenting plan, the narcissist decides in a certain moment, it doesn't suit them. So they start to do something else. Or maybe you've decided, you know, you've agreed on drop-offs and pickups and that narcissist decides one day they're just not going to drop the, the child off for whatever reason. Or maybe the child needs to get to a doctor or they have a pre-planned medical appointment. Again, the narcissist wants to be in control. And sometimes that's also about ruffling your feathers. And so you may see that they just don't take care of a responsibility that they were supposed to, again, to ruffle your feathers. So it can become very, very stressful. So when a narcissist is doing these sorts of things, should a parent, um, you know, push back on it? Or how, how should they deal with that kind of situation where the narcissist is, you know, not respecting the schedule and, and not um, doing, you know, things that set out in the parenting plan? So I think you have to be, you know, really careful and really actually strategize on how you deal with them. Part of it is really maintaining your own mental health and um, your own self-care because again it's very stressful but some other strategies are you know making sure that when you deal with the narcissist it's really straight to the point we're not talking about emotions we're not talking about how the narcissist feels about you and what you're doing right or wrong it's strictly here's the pickup time or here's where we're meeting to for pickup or drop off or you know what have you straight to the point uh, sometimes it's really pick choosing your battles right? So it's, you know that you're not, you're not going to win often with a narcissist. So what things are imperative that you must have a conversation about? And what things can you let go? It's not easy. And it's frustrating. And it's certainly not fair. But if you're talking about holistically trying to maintain your own sanity, what things can I just let go of so that it's less drama or stress for me in that moment? I think also a big thing is to maintain boundaries. 
right? So if this person is so difficult to deal with that every time you deal with them, you're, you're just riled up and stressed out, what can you do to set boundaries so that it reduces that stress for you? It might be, I don't want to have a phone call with you anymore. It's going to be through text or email because that way I have control over when I deal with you and you're not interrupting my day when I you know, need to work or what have you. So boundaries can be very important as well. Definitely. And I mean, in my experience too, with, with narcissists, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile and, you know, they love to push through boundaries. So it's really important that when we have those boundaries that they're consistently applied and, uh, you know, that we stay firm. Um, what would be, if I was to say, what would be your top three tips for co-parenting with a narcissist? So get it in writing right? The narcissist wants to <laughs> make things um, convenient for them. And again, you know, one week to the next might be totally different rules on their side. But if you get this parenting plan in a binding separation agreement, that's certainly going to help you because now everyone knows what the expectations are. You can't just tell me verbally this is what it's going to be. There are ramifications to not following a legally binding agreement. So that's very important. And certainly lawyers and mediators can help you through that process. Uh, the boundaries ones, which we, which we just talked about. I think an, an important aspect is actually expecting the challenge. Like sometimes for the person who's not the narcissist, you know, we, we look at things through our own shade of glasses, right? If, if I'm a nice person and I'm pretty flexible and easy to get along with, I expect the other person to behave that way. Well, with a narcissist, they're not going to behave that way. So even just the knowing, like knowing it's always going to be difficult as opposed to hoping and expecting for change, sometimes that just helps our perspective a little bit. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, and even just knowing, um, you know, I guess recognizing the triggers, right? Like I always think that if you can recognize when and the narcissist is, you know, saying something or doing something to try and trigger you, but you, can, you can't control what they do, but you can control your reaction to it, um, that's, you know, then they can have less, I guess, influence on you if you're, you know, mindful of what they're trying to do to trigger you and end your reaction to it. That's a fantastic point. I think that also ties into another point I was going to make was um, parallel parenting. So not ideal. Parallel parenting means I parent the way I parent in my home, you parent the way you parent in your home, and we don't each have a say over what the other does. And the reality is you don't have a say over what the narcissist is doing anyways. And even though Maybe yeah. it's some, some form of disciplining, and, you know, maybe it's screen time and how much screen time should there be. And it's ideal if the two parents can agree. And so now same rules in both homes. But when you can't agree or you can't cooperate with a nar narcissist, it, it becomes all you have control over is what's happening in your home. You have no control over what's happening in there. So it, it just becomes, you know, focusing on being the best parent you can be when the kids are with you. Yeah. Uh, is it possible to have a healthy co-parenting relationship with someone who's a narcissist? I think it's very difficult. It can be very challenging. They have their moments. Certainly, there's ups and downs like any relationship, and, and there may be some moments where they are being cooperative. And so, you know, take the full advantage at that moment when that happens. <laughs> um, but I don't, think it's, I don't think you can expect that it's going to be easy to deal with them. So all these strategies we've just talked about should be, you know, things that you keep in your back pocket on how to deal with them. 
And I always say too, it's it's possible to have a healthy co-parenting relationship if you're doing everything they want. Although I don't know how healthy that is, you but got it. you know you have a good relate or an amicable relationship when you're doing everything they want. But then as soon as you uh, say no or there's a boundary, then it's a different situation. That's exactly right. Now, in your work um, as a you know as a mediator and drafting parenting plans, and you know, I know you also do coaching. Um, do you work with parents where one or both are narcissists? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, believe it or not, you can mediate with a narcissist. There, there are times that they will surprise you and it comes back to that charm aspect where they want to charm everybody else. So oftentimes you'll see that the narcissist will actually behave better when the mediator is in the room because there's somebody else there. So it's certainly possible. I mean, there are, there's, it run, runs the whole range. Of course, there are going to be some relationships where you just can't mediate because it's just so toxic. Um, but so you can mediate. And then in terms of coaching, it, it ends up being the person who feels the victim of the narcissist. So it might be, how do I deal with this person? What's the strategy to get through this divorce because they're going to make it so difficult? You know, and it's kind of like, I always say it's like a phone a friend, right? In that moment where that narcissist is driving you crazy and you just don't know what to do. You call the coach and the coach will talk you down off the ledge, talk, talk you through, you know, is this a battle that I should engage in or is this something I should just let go? And perhaps they'll even give you resources. Again, it comes down to self-care because it can be so stressful. It might be that you need to talk to a therapist just to unwind and get it out. And so yeah. the divorce coach can really provide you with the resources that you need to get through all of that. Have you ever had a situation where you were doing a mediation and both parties seemed to be uh, illustrating um, traits of narcissism? Well, certainly in divorce, it's very, it can be a very emotional time. So sometimes we do get wrapped up in our emotions. But usually I'll, I find that you know, one person will either back down somewhat or just not be nearly as challenging to deal with as the other one. So there's certainly a, a dynamic going on there that you can, you know, try to strategize even as the mediator and how can I work with these folks in order to get them to an agreement. And it might be that you take a time out with each of them and sort of coach them through. How do we get through this in a positive way? Do you ever have situations where, you know, one party clearly is a narcissist and they're dominating or trying to dominate um, the mediation or, you know, just get agreement on things that are more their way. Uh, I'm wondering how you approach that kind of situation. So an important part there is really setting the ground rules right up front, right? That, you know, the ground rules are, are we going to respect each other? Each person gets a turn to have the floor and speak their mind. And if one person's really bullying the other person, I'll take a time out and, and talk to them both, you know, talk to the person who's bullying saying like, this is a mediation. So both of you have to agree to it ultimately. Otherwise, you're not going to have a res resolution. So trying to talk the narcissist down a little bit to um, allow for a more safe environment for the other person to speak. And then in the timeout with the other person, it's really boosting their confidence level and um, reminding them that they are just as important as the narcissist in terms of what they want out of this mediation and sort of you know, just helping them along through that. And, and if, if you need to, then you interrupt the mediation while it's happening and sort of calm the tension so that both parties can speak. And I'm wondering what obligations, um, you know, you as a mediator have if you see a situation where one party is in fact, you know, being bullied to agree and is agreeing, you know, they're, they're agreeing with everything the other party wants. Um, 
and they're prepared to just sign off on it all. Do you have any kind of responsibility to intervene in that kind of situation or because you're an independent third party, you just have to let it be? How do you deal with that? I think some of that boils down to also sort of the morality of the whole thing. I think when you see something like that happening, you need to speak up because it's just not the right situation. I mean, ultimately, the good news is they still have to go through their lawyers to turn that agreement into a binding agreement. So they're going to get yet another roadblock before that happens. And that the lawyer for the non-narcissist will certainly stick up for that person. But even as the mediator, you know, I, I would be uncomfortable to let that continue because it's not right. Right? It's just not right to have an agreement where it's all completely one-sided. And this person who's sort of just been quiet and let it happen, they're going to be miserable with that agreement moving forward. So, you know, I would certainly stand up and speak up to that. Is it possible to have a shared parenting schedule with a narcissist? It absolutely is. Again, it's not easy. Um, and frankly, you may not be able to win something other than, and I say win, but, you know, negotiate something other than shared parenting because the narcissist has their views as to what it's supposed to be as well. Again, that boils down to when it's extremely toxic, it ends up being the parallel parenting. You do what you can when the kids are with you. The other parent will do what they're going to do when the kids are with them. And, you know, you, you have to have faith in the fact that you are, doing your best for them as, as the best parent you can be. You are raising them with good values. And ultimately those children are going to grow up and they're going to see for themselves what's going on. Children are very smart and they're very resilient. They will figure it out without you having to badmouth or say anything about the other parent. How does a parent know when, which battles to pick? Because that is one of the things with a narcissist where, you know, everything could potentially be a battle. So if you were coaching someone or, you know, even doing a mediation, like how, how would you advise someone on how to know which battles are worth fighting and which ones to let go? So sometimes the battle will be about parenting time, the amount of time or, or the drop off. And as an example, so if somebody, you know, the narcissist is fighting over, they want an extra hour or an extra two hours. It, it, that might be something where I say to the other person, like, is this a make or break for you? And I don't mean like the standard everyday parenting plan. I just mean, you know, maybe something comes up you know, a certain week or the COVID happened and now you've got to adjust your parenting plan and um, the narcissist wants all this extra time. It depends on what they're asking for. If it's just an hour here and there, is that really something worth fighting for? Like, is your peace worth fighting over an hour? So it might be something like that. Sometimes the narcissist can be very petty and the things that they're fighting over in the scheme of life really don't matter. And so sometimes it's just giving that perspective to the other person. Like, you know, does this really matter? If it's a big thing, absolutely, you're going to have to stand your ground. But if it's something that, you know, looking back a year from now, are you going to care? That might not be something you want to fight about. Can narcissists ever change? I think that's a tricky one. I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> in my experience, have I seen it? No. But again, you can't brush everybody with the same stroke. So, you know, if, if the narcissist actually acknowledges that they have these traits and they were going to a therapist where they have all this, you know, behavioral therapy and stuff like that, sure, I suppose anything is possible. Uh, is it likely for them to admit that they have an issue? I don't know that it's that likely they would admit it and therefore they wouldn't seek therapy that would help them work through it. Yeah, you can only change if you really want to, right? right and so exactly. if, you're, if you're dealing with someone who doesn't recognize that, you know, they have a need to, there's anything wrong with them or anything, then it's probably challenging for that person to ever change. 
which is exactly why I say it, then it becomes self-care about the non-narcissist because if the narcissist is never going to change, the only person you can change is yourself. You've got to find coping mechanisms that help you just get through it. Yeah, for sure. Now, one of my biggest pet peeves that I see as a lawyer is uh, parents who badmouth the other parent to the children. Um, have you noticed with narcissists whether this is a more prevalent um, type of behavior or is it just kind of the same as it is you know, generally with parents? I think, unfortunately, in divorce it happens a lot, narcissists or not. Yeah. So I think it's really key for those of us that are working with those folks to remind them, right? I mean, at the end of the day, these kids have two parents and they love them both. And for one of the parents to talk badly about the other, you're hurting the child by doing that. So I think it's you know important for us, again, as divorce professionals to just remind them this can be damaging to the kids. And again, kids are smart. They'll figure it out. You know, it might be hard in that moment. It is very hard in that moment. But if you just sort of give it the time and you watch, you will see that the children will figure it out and they will ultimately do what's best for them. And they will do that without you saying bad things about the other parent. I think one of the challenges that I see happening is, um, you know, particularly when the children are younger and, they, you know, you have a parent who, you know, perhaps is a narcissist and is bad-mouthing the other and trying to almost alienate the other, um, you know, a lot of damage can, you know, be done um, and, you know, it, it's hard for the, cause I'm, I'm always curious what your perspective on this is. Like, I, you know, I'm always advising the other parent, you don't, don't engage in that same type of behavior. You're only hurting the children, but it, it is difficult when one person is doing it and you can see that it's having an effect on the kids, um, you know, against the other parent. Um, you know, I don't know what your thoughts or if you have any advice for people who are in that type of situation. I think, I mean, the truth still needs to be there. So, you know, if somebody, if the other parent's saying something about you that's completely untrue, you may have to speak up, but it, it's so tricky and you have to still be aware of what, what and how you're saying it, right? So, uh, yes, I might um, point out that this particular comment is untrue, but I'm not saying that the other parent is bad. I'm just saying that this comment is, is not true and right. here's what is true. Yeah, exactly. You're setting the record straight, so to speak, but you're not doing it in a way that is, you know, criticizing or attacking the other parent. Right. And again, even by doing that, the kids will see, right? Without me saying somebody is bad and the kids recognize truth versus not truth, they'll see what's happening. No, exactly. And when and the older they get, the more they you know, become aware and, and see, but even though it can be hard sometimes when they're younger and maybe not seeing things a certain way, um, they definitely do as they get older. And I find what's interesting is I've seen some kids become so good at handling it. Like it's almost like you wish that the, the parent could take over that skill. But I, guess, <laughs> I guess having been the child of those narcissists their whole lives, they've just figured it out. And so they know when to ignore and they know when to not ignore, which is, it's kind of a really neat thing to watch. Yeah, that is interesting, uh, you know, because I've seen that too, where the children are able to handle the narcissistic parent better than the other the spouse was able to, because um, they've just kind of learned, as you just said, what to ignore and what not to versus getting triggered uh, yeah. by it the way the spouse did. Absolutely. Now, if, I, we've kind of touched upon this, uh, you know, in a couple of the questions, but just, uh, you know, is more of a maybe a summary. Um, 
what would be some co-parenting strategies that you can provide to listeners that they can take away from this podcast if they, you know, think, suspect that their ex is a narcissist? Maybe give us the, the three, you know, what you think are the three best strategies or top strategies. So set your boundaries on what it is you're willing to accept and what you can't. So again, if that's in terms of communication, you can't handle talking to them because they trigger you so much. Then you say, you know, I'll only accept emails or texts. That means sticking to that rule. So if the person starts calling you, you just don't answer, right? And I mean, unless there's an emergency or something, you don't answer because you've got to hold those boundaries true to you so that you keep your sanity intact. You know, the other thing, again, we talked about parallel parenting. When you know that you can't control what's happening in that other home, when you know that you're not able to co-parent in a way that you have the same rules and, and values in each home, you have to stick to recognizing, you know, I'm doing the best that I can when those kids are with me. They will take those values with them and they'll, they'll ultimately be okay. Um, and I think a big one is self-care, right? Again, it's so, yeah. stress, it's so stressful. So whether that's just, you know, having a friend that you can talk to, which, you know, unfortunately we have so many things sometimes that we want to talk about with, about the narcissists that are driving us crazy. <laughs> so it might be, you know, sometimes you talk to a friend or a family member and sometimes you talk to a therapist. It's whoever can just offer you that emotional support to get through it. And sometimes they can provide you perspective, right? Because you're so emotionally invested in this that some things that irritate you when somebody's not emotionally invested, they can point out to you, is that really worth going, you know, thinking about it constantly or is it just something you should draw? That's true. And I mean, and I think the other piece with the self-care and, and just talking to a friend or a therapist where it can be really helpful with a narcissist is um, to validate, I think, your feelings or that this behavior was, you know, inappropriate because, you know, a, b a big part of narcissism can also be the, the gaslighting that, you know, people go, victims of, of it go through. And so they start to question, you know, their own sense of is, was this a okay behavior or is it, am I crazy that I feel that this was completely unacceptable? And so just having a normal person who can validate that, no, you're right. That was a totally unacceptable behavior. You know, sometimes people in that situation really need to hear that from someone. I think that's a really good point because they do, they, they get you so confused and riled up. Sometimes you do question your sanity. Like, am I losing my mind here? Did it yeah. happen? Like what's going on here? You're absolutely right. When you talk to somebody else who's not in it and they can just, just as I said, to validate your child's feelings, you're, you're right. Have somebody validate your own feelings. So you feel like you're not crazy. You're not losing it. Yes. Yeah, you're that person did was wrong. You're right. doesn't mean you might, you're not necessarily going to be able to change what's happening, but it's just a sense of acknowledgement that, okay, <laughs> I, you know, I'm not crazy. Yeah. I'm not overreacting or I'm, you know, all of that. I think we all need to hear that sometimes. And yes. in these types of dynamics with a narcissist, it can be a big challenge. Well, yes, thank you so much for joining me today. You've been really helpful with all of the information. So if listeners would like to work with you either through mediation or coaching, um, uh, how can they find you? So they can find me on my website at um, simplesolutionsmediation.ca and all of my social media handles are there for Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. So um, yeah, all my information is there. And thank you so much for the time. I actually uh, love to be on with you today. Yeah, well, thank you for joining me. And thank you to my listeners for tuning in. Please like and subscribe. And uh, I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. Have a great day, everybody. Mm -hmm.
Thank you for joining me on Divorcing Well. If you have any separation or divorce questions, you can get in touch with me via my website at www.leannetownsend.ca.